Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. This week, what? No, we are recapping the week's nerdy news from Action Comics number one to the handbook of the recently deceased and everywhere in between. My name is Mike Gibson. With me as always is Steve Haller. What's up, Steve? Well, uh, I don't know. But if you're talking about the recently deceased, um, I don't know how to tie it in. I was I was going for some <laughs> sort of spirit of vengeance, something or other, but Steve fell flat and I, on my face. Before, <laughs> um, before we started recording, we were talking, we started kind of... Uh, going in-depth on the character of Ghost Rider, the Marvel Comics character. And I stopped him mid-sentence and said, Steve, we should be having this conversation on mic, on the podcast, instead of one of our famous uh, post-recorded You should have heard this pre <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so wait, how do we bring up Ghost Rider? How did that even come up? Uh, it remember. was based on uh, Frank Miller. Apparently, there's a Ghost Rider and Wolverine um, crossover one shot crossover whatever they're doing okay. uh that frank miller's doing a cover for and we were talking about that kind of like it got right. mentioned and then we went into ghost rider yeah and specifically you're talking about how neither of us have ever been super like into ghost rider as a character um you you seem to not care about him at all <laughs> basically I, what you said is that correct it's, it's like <laughs> I don't know. I, I've rarely, I've tried to read a couple of books here and there. I've seen him in, I, like, like you had mentioned, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that Robbie Reyes take on yeah. him was great. And Gabriel Luna nailed it. Yeah. But like Johnny Blaze has never done anything for me. <laughs> and I don't know right. why. Yeah. I, um, I think Ghost Rider looks really cool. Looks super badass. Like an incredible, like, when was he created? Because he's just right. seemingly crazy '90s, or make me I, I could see '80s. Yeah, but if it's much know. before that, like it, I, I could see it as being like '90s. Everything needs to be ex- extreme, but also like '80s machoism. Everything's got to be. I want to say it was because the there's been three different ones, so I want to say it was a good long time ago. Yeah, I know. Like maybe it was '70s. Uh, he just fits the '90s extreme aesthetic so much. Yeah, that, no, 100%. Yeah. Uh, 1990, debut in 1972. 72? Wow, way earlier than I, I was going to say maybe late 70s, but wow, early 70s. Yeah. So, if, I mean, if anyone that's listening to this doesn't know who Ghost Rider is, Ghost Rider is um, a uh, a guy who is possessed by a demon or something and it turns into, when he's, when he's needed, called for, um, he uh, transforms into a skeleton with a burning head and he wears like a spiky huge leather jacket and drives a motorcycle um that the wheels on it are made of fire (laughs) like a magical demon motorcycle so there's a lot of like like we're saying like 90s extremeness or 80s macho um testosterone driven action but apparently came out of the 70s yeah Um, the 70s like the original johnny blaze one was he was like an evil Knievel stunt rider daredevil thing guy who sold his soul to the devil to save his father something along those lines and then now every night he turns into this skeletal flaming yeah spirit of vengeance (laughs) who uh yeah um 
Yeah, who I was played know. by Nicolas Cage in two movies. Yeah. Of one of which I saw in the theater. The and other the, one I've the other seen. of which, uh, by all accounts, nobody should watch. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, think it, I think it got like a 38% uh, rating. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you're into um, that sort of thing, go for it. But I'm yeah. going to avoid it. I tend to think... Um, I think Ghost Rider looks cool. I've never gotten into the really the character. Like you said, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the best, the most I've ever cared about Ghost Rider, um, the way they did that. Um, but I, I, I tend to think that he should just be somebody who shows up. But like, I don't really need characterization of that of that character. Like, I, I think, Steve, do you know, who the, do you know, this is a DC deepish cut. Do you know who the Phantom Stranger is? Have you ever heard of that character? That actually sounds familiar. Yeah, he's been around a long time uh, in the DC universe. Um, he has no origin story. Nobody knows anything about him, where he came from. His powers are just yep. like vague, like whatever they need to be. Um, Deus Ex, he, uh, full Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, yeah. He just kind of like appears when needed. And like there's there was a series for a long time called The Phantom Stranger. But every story was like an anthology about like a mystery or a murder or something dangerous happening. And out of nowhere, the Phantom Stranger would appear and help the people involved, but then disappear. So every every book is like an anthology, and the only thread is that this character shows up to save the day or help save the day or give information. Like, he shows up in Swamp Thing sometimes just to, like, give the character information that he needs and then disappears. Like, right. he's, you know, he's literally like a phantom and no one knows anything about him, so he's also a stranger. I feel like Ghost Rider would work like that where... Every story is an anthology until the main character messes up or does something wrong and or accidentally summons the spirit of vengeance and then has to get away or right. is taken by a ghost rider or whatever. Like, I feel like that would be a cool uh, way to use that character. Yeah. And, do it you know, as, as like a mini, you know, mini series of like, here's X different takes on something bad happened and you're looking right. at it from the bad guy's perspective yeah avoiding this guy right and that's i i brought it up before but uh they did that in star wars comics with vader uh that's right i can't remember the miniseries name um wasn't vader down it was after that but um they they took like five or six different issues of other people ancillarily like looking at or interacting with vader mm-hmm. and like one one was like uh, someone who was obsessed with Vader. The other was like someone who was being hunted by Vader. Like, oh, cool. So something similar where it's you're you're not in the shoes of the main, the character. main character. Yeah, yeah, the title character. Right. So yeah, that'd be cool. I think it'd be cool. I and also like, noticed. Um, I was not thinking of the Phantom Stranger. I was thinking of the Phantom. Oh, the was, purple. Yeah, the purple uh, suit. Comic strip. Comic guy. strip guy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The pulp character. Mm-hmm. Yep. Phantom Strangers. Dressed in like a blue suit with a blue cape. Yeah, I, I pulled up the and picture and I was like, nope, not that guy. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's a cool character because it's just like whenever he shows, it just shows up. It's just like, holy shit, the Phantom Stranger. Like, the you know, that's kind of the reaction that I get when I'm reading a book and he just shows up similar right. to the characters in that story. Like, the Phantom Stranger. It's like, where did oh, they come you? from? Yeah, exactly. And you never know. And you never get like, it's also crazy that he's been around for so long and they've they've held true to the original ideas that like never give him a backstory, never give him an origin. He's just a mystery. Yeah. You, you'd never know anything about him. 
It's the the Yoda of DC Comics. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and oh, I was gonna say, like, who knows? There could be some great Ghost Rider books out there that really sell the character that Steve and I just haven't read. So right. if and you have read those and we're wrong about Ghost Rider, tell us. Yeah. Send us an email. Send us a chat. Whatever. Message us on social. Comment on this YouTube video. Tell us why we're wrong about Ghost Rider. Yeah, um, if you really like that '90s Danny Ketch, like extreme Ghost Rider. Yeah, let us know. We're yeah. we're open to it. It's just nothing has ever cut either of us. Apparently, one of the first uh, comic books I remember having is an early uh, Spider-Man. It's like Spider-Man number six of like a new run that was in the '90s or whatever, and uh, Hobgoblin was in it. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think it was Todd McFarlane was on. Art. Yeah, that, that would make sense in that era. Hob, yeah, Hobgoblin was in it and Ghost Rider was in it. So it was like a terrifying issue of yeah. Spider-Man. As that's how McFarlane drew both of them, like just very intense. And I remember being scared of both of them <laughs> in that issue, but also thinking, yeah, this Ghost Rider's cool. He's driving his motorcycle up the side of a building. That's pretty awesome. Um, But anyway, we digress. Well, um, I, I from that era, I can distinctly remember one of my first books from that early 90s era was a uh what i thought was going to be a thor book that ended up being thor when it was eric masterson uh Mm. which was its own weird wild animal of stupidity um (laughs) but we made it through and here we are (laughs) here we are here we are um part of the reason that steve and i are um comfortable taking the first 10 minutes of this podcast to talk about <laughs> Ghost Rider uh, is that it's a pretty light week for news. There's yeah. not a whole lot uh, going on. And last week was a little bit of a light week as well. Um, and this week is the same, almost probably maybe even less than last week. I don't remember really remember what we talked about last week, but oh, last week um, we also had Guardians to play around with. So yeah, that's true. We did the Guardians reaction, which is still up. And um, we always talked about the, the writer strike mm-hmm. a lot. In the which beginning. we're going to talk about again today. We're going to touch on a little bit right now because showrunner, co-creator of the show Andor, Tony Gilroy, has officially ceased all production duties on um, Andor season two due to the Writers Guild of America strike. Now, this was originally announced and I forgot to mention this last week when we were talking about shows that had said that they were going to continue. Andor season two was was a show that had announced that they will continue production because all scripts had been written prior to the beginning of the strike prior to may 2nd i think is when the strike started but it was announced that tony gilroy who wrote or co-wrote a lot of those episodes was going to continue on um in a in his like producing duties apparently he was called out a lot by other writers on social media who are more in the know than me steve but people saying if you are producing on a show that you wrote if you're producing on a show that you wrote it's there's no way you're not going to be asked to tweak a script or fix a line or something like that. Like if you are there, they're going to ask you to do it and it's scabbing. Like you're crossing the picket line. There's no way around it. Um, and, uh, so I don't know if that was because of that backlash or they just had to clarify after that backlash, but, um, it was announced that he was going to step down or just stop, um, working in all aspects on end our season two. um, but the article that I read is from The Hollywood Reporter. It doesn't say if the show is ceasing production, just that he's not going to be working on it. I, so I they, would assume they gonna, that they're not actively filming 
but maybe like they're if they've filmed anything they've yeah they've either got pre-production or have they do we do we know timeline have they started filming anything or i don't remember yeah i think they did i think they started filming it in the fall yes they may have some posts they can start working on or you know either editing or like um, even even working with him to yeah, I don't know. There's a whole there's a whole litany of things they could do. What they will do is definitely not film more because, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I hope not, because that's kind of what we talked about last week with House of the Dragon and uh, Rings of Power. Like, just stop. Like, I'll, I'd rather, I'd rather you wait until this is resolved. Yeah. Give so us that something. we can get a good quality product, mm-hmm. especially the season two of Andor, which is like, just one of the best Star Wars things we've gotten in so long. Don't screw it up by, you know, moving forward without Tony Gilroy on board, the creator right. and writer of the show. Like, well, and the, on the opposite end, you have something like Rings of Power that was mixed, mixedly. Yeah, we'll go with it. Um, it received quite uh, both positively and negatively by the fan base. Yeah. Um, do you really want your season two of that to be, uh, well, let's just go with exactly what's in the script and that's that. Like, no, you're going to, you don't want to put out that product. Or yeah. at least I and wouldn't like, think you would want to put out that product. I wouldn't think so. And same with House of the Dragon, you know, trying to escape a legacy of a show that started great and then and didn't end up that way. Yep. You know, you don't want to go down that same road in season two <laughs> of yeah. your show um, because people will remember and start making those comparisons real quick to Game of Thrones if um, if the quality starts slipping on that show as well. So, yeah, um, the uh, the Duffers did confirm that Stranger Things has been halted yeah. as well as uh, a or the Hedge Knight, which is another Game of Thrones spinoff. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense because they're still writing that. They just yeah. announced that. So there's no way they can they can't do anything else. Yeah, George Martin on his blog because he's one of the writers uh, right. unequivocally said we are not moving forward with it at this point. Yeah, I re- yeah that's right. I read that too. And yeah, I thought good for him because I was wondering because I was like I know he writes on a lot of these HBO adaptations. He wrote a Game of Thrones. He wrote on House of the Dragon. So like if he's against it, then all these things must be shutting down. Um, and yeah, I mean I just and. This is this should be obvious, but no show that you like that you are watching or are looking forward to, none of them happen if someone doesn't write them. <laughs> That's like a very obvious thing to say, but you know, you can't start pre-production until there's a script. You can't even really start with uh, you know, too much like you can do a little bit of casting sometimes or like character design, but like a lot of it involves what that character is going to look like and sound like. And that all comes back to the script. So like, I don't know. I feel like there's some anti-union sentiment out there. If you're like looking forward on Twitter, like there's plenty of people that think like AI is the future and writers don't matter. Like, well, you're yeah, dumb for thinking that. that. I, I think AI is not the future. Writers do matter because they came up with all this stuff in the first place and any AI thing is just going to steal from other people's ideas that, you know, if they hadn't been come up, you haven't been provided by an original writer, creator, whatever, it wouldn't be there for your AI to steal and, um, you know, develop from there. So yep. I don't know. Still no word. Uh, hasn't been any word this past week on, um, 
an end or negotiations to the writer's strike, but we'll keep talking about it yeah, when heard, we hear anything about it. I've heard mixed, uh, none of which are going to be quick solutions. I Yeah, we're looking at months yeah. easy, I think. Easily months, um, probably through the summer, yeah. almost even. Cause, like we said last week, it's going to be... It's probably going to be a couple months before studios even start feeling it. Um, but they're going to feel it for sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. Especially a studio like Netflix, who has had a lot of trouble lately, or like a lot of bad press, I should say, losing subscribers. And, you know, they, they, they keep, they cancel tons of shows after one or two seasons. Like they don't have a ton of hit content. And it doesn't seem like, I don't know, I feel like they're, I mean, their star has fallen considerably, Netflix has. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were the apex for yeah. years. And from things I've read, it seems like they're one of the bigger holdouts on some of these demands. Um, I've read things that there are there were some points that Netflix was the only studio that was holding out. And they would have reached an agreement on some of the, the demands if if it hadn't been for Netflix. I feel like... Netflix doesn't really have much of a leg to stand on. I feel like they need they need things to be in production yeah. more than anybody else. They need Stranger Things. Like, what else do they have besides Stranger Things? Wednesday? Fine. That's a, that's a hit show, but they're not close to being done with writing a season two of Wednesday. Season one just ended a couple months, a few months ago. Well, and they're, so, they're also, you know, every other streaming service has other IP to fall back on, whereas exactly. you know, they've, uh, for, I guess... Uh, lost all of the other rights they've got and are strictly yeah. on uh, you know their own dime at this point I mean that's why I mentioned Stranger Things because that's the only like right. original IP that's that big of a hit I think that I can think of I'm sure there's something else but yeah I mean I don't know I, that I, I'm sure there's something else I'm not thinking of but I don't know that there's something else that is as big as a cultural uh, cultural watch you mean like Masters, Masters of the Universe Revelation isn't isn't the cultural zeitgeist that uh, it's not, no, it's not I right mean, up there with Stranger Things? Hey, He-Man's got his fans, but you know He-Man doesn't uh, transcend the genre the way that Stranger Things did and has. Yeah, and people are clamoring for that final season. I was going to say The Witcher, but so, they don't even really have that now. Like after season three, you know they're going to have to recast yeah. with uh, I think re- Liam Hemsworth, uh, right? Yeah. Yep. And who knows how that's going to go. So. Right. But even they can't make season four until right. the writer's strike is over. You know, they can't. Yeah. Jupiter's Legacy, that was a big flop. Yeah, huge. huge. Yeah, no. I'm, I, I'm just looking up, uh, looking up various Netflix shows, and it's just like a whole lot yeah. of not much going on. They used to have a bunch, and then, you know, shows ended, and other streaming services popped up and started using their own IP. So, I don't know. I feel like Netflix is very not smart to be um, holding out. They should want this to be resolved yeah. sooner than later. But, but like most studios, and, I mean, Netflix certainly seems to be, uh, you know, money hungry um, because they need it. They're losing subscribers like crazy, so that's probably why they don't want to pay writers more because they would rather give it to their CEOs, which seems to be a big reason that all of the studios are holding out because they just want more money for their their uh, executives which make you know who make 
tens of millions of dollars every year and say, sorry, we can't afford to pay you writers. Whatever. Yeah. Bunch of lion snakes. Anyway, uh, moving on to another Star Wars story. Um, Jaleel White announced this week that he is going to appear in Star Wars Skeleton Crew. Jaleel White. Who is Jaleel White, you may ask? Why is that name slightly familiar to me and <laughs> slightly rings a bell in well, my, you, uh, you know, the, my the, the TGIF of early your brain. 90s, my early 90s kid brain. Yeah, exactly. The TGIF in my mind. Jaleel White, famous for playing Steve Urkel on a show called Family Matters. He will appear in Star Wars Skeleton Crew. He's giving an interview this week. And I uh, was asked uh, what he has coming up. And he said, I'm actually going to be in a new series on Disney Plus starring Jude Law called Skeleton Crew. Coming out in November, December. And it's part of the Star Wars universe. So that's a big change for me, man. I had to do two hours of makeup every day. I get to play a pirate. That's kind of so great. Some cool, it is kind of great. Some cool nuggets of information in there. Um, and I think, I mean, Jaleel White, he has... Clearly, when he was a young man, was, for a while, the most famous person in the world <laughs> when he was on that show as that insane character. Um, I say insane, like, the character wasn't insane, but, like... Dare I say caricature. Caricature, where that show started as one thing, and then that the character of Steve Urkel became so popular that it changed the whole dynamic of that show. Yeah. Radically where they all of a sudden there's like multiple, like it's like there's time travel and science fiction and weird, like teleportation. Stefan and shit. Urkel, like, if I remember yeah, correctly, like what is going on? This yeah. used to be a family drama. <laughs> like this is insane. Um, Anyway, I, he's someone that has been able to like continue a quiet career. I think um, he was and... in the 2010 hit uh, Mega Shark versus Krakosaurus. Oh, he was apparently. I, didn't know that. I just yeah. found this out by googling Jaleel. White. <laughs> Though apparently I mean, sure... he's also been in every iteration of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, I read that as well. He has voiced Sonic the Hedgehog in a number of cartoons. Um, he also played himself in an episode of Teen Titans Go. Um, Huh. And making, yeah, it was very funny. Made plenty of uh, references to uh, the character of Steve Urkel. Just funny that, like, he can, he's not, like, he's not so uh, trying to escape it that he won't reference the fact that it's part of who he is. You know what I mean? Like, it's funny that he's able to acknowledge it. Um, uh, but he's, you know, he's been able to to keep working, but also, you know, in the background a little bit and, you know, get away from people saying, hey, aren't you Steve Urkel? Which I'm sure he hated for a long time <laughs> in yeah. his life. Um, and, uh, okay, so he's in it. So we get that it's coming out November, December. That's the first time we've heard a release time frame, I believe, for Skeleton Crew. Yeah. Um, I know we had heard this year, and that was We about had heard it. this year, and I guess I was assuming fall, because we know Ahsoka is going to be this summer, although we don't have a date for that yet either. August but, something? Is it August? Did we get so. a date for it? I just thought it was like this summer. I didn't think we had a date, but I could be wrong. Every time. Every time. I spell Ahsoka with the S and H screwed up I, every yo, me too. time. Yeah. A-H-S-O. Uh, yeah, we've just gotten August. August. Okay. So August. 
Um, oh, so that's plenty of time for me to finish my Rebels rewatch. <laughs> um, or for you, listener, to start yours, watch Star Wars Rebels starting today. Yeah. And get ready for Ahsoka coming out in August. And you will uh, enjoy it. Highly recommend. Yes. You, yeah, you will not regret it. It's incredible. Some of the best Star Wars is out there. Highly recommend Star Wars Rebels. We've talked about it in the show a bunch. So anyway, November, December for Skeleton Crew. Also, uh, he's playing a pirate. Um, okay. Do we think Do we think Hondo Onaka is going to be in this show? Yeah, I I don't know, but I think you just saw if anybody was watching. <laughs> yeah, did you see Steve's face light up with pure joy? Like it was like a slow smile, <laughs> sm- slow reveal of a smile. It's like, wait, no, wait, oh, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, live action Hondo would be absolutely amazing and yeah. fit the time period, I would assume. So, um, yeah. yeah, it definitely would because oh, yeah, if I we're mean, coming right out of rebels then yeah yeah because this i mean this takes place in the post return of the jedi period right they've mentioned this all in that same all of the felony verse kind of yeah same timeline as mando same timeline as ahsoka it's like it's all in there and i mean spoiler this is a very small spoiler but if anyone out there has gone to galaxy's edge you and and the quote-unquote timeline of galaxy's edge takes place between um the last Jedi and rise of Skywalker, which is like 30 years after the time that we're talking about now with skeleton crew and Mandalorian. Hondo Naka is alive during that, uh, time period. Nice. So he's certainly alive now. So, um, uh, that'd be cool. Hondo shows up in rebels a lot. He's in clone oh, wars a bunch too. That would also, also track, that would also track how much makeup he had to put on. Exactly. Hmm. But I don't. I don't think Jaleel White is going to play no, Hondo, but though. It, I think one of he, the crew. I because and I. I only say that because if Hondo's going to if they're going to bring Hondo Onaka to live action, they should get the guy that does that voice because that I don't know. I don't remember his name. Jim something maybe, but um, Hondo's voice is like so yeah. distinct. I think. Yeah. No. It's and I mean. Yeah. I mean, any of the like, he's got a bunch of people in that crew, all of which are alien of yeah. one sort or another. Like, I mean, if he's a, another weak way like uh, Hondo, then weak way. Yeah, I can never remember that species name. Weak way. That would be those. Yeah. Um, but I should say. How great. I mean, it would be great to see Hondo Onaka in live action. We have seen other weak way pirates in things like Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could just be another pirate crew without Hondo. Maybe Jaleel White is the leader of this certain pirate crew. But, you know, it doesn't mean that he has anything to do with Hondo Onaka. Um, oh, I'm now seeing the animatronics you... from Galaxy's Edge, and that's just great. Dude, I wasn't going to say anything, but if you looked it up. Yeah. Well, it's big... the, if you look up Hondo's, if you Google Hondo's name, it's the first thing that pops up. And I'm like, oh, oh <laughs> okay, that's really cool. Yeah, very incredibly lifelike animatronics. I mean, like all the Disney animatronics of of late are just light years away from what they were originally, like, you know, the original Pirates of the Caribbean or anything like that. Like, yeah. they just look so lifelike and in, including the one of Hondo Onaka as you are in line for the 
Smuggler's Run, a Millennium Falcon ride. Um, yeah, yeah, and then it's cool. Then you get like the stormtroopers walking around um, outside, are like, "We're looking for a pilot named Onaka. Have you seen him?" And that kind of stuff. They're like, it's oh, okay. he's, hey, he's right there. Yeah, he's in that ride. <laughs> Go stand in line for two hours. Just can't even get to him. Um. So <laughs> yeah, pony up for your genie plus. Come on, be heist. That's right. <laughs> Amateur hour. Jeez. That's right. So Jaleel White in the Star Wars Skeleton Crew coming out this winter, November, December. I'm very excited about this show because I know nothing next to nothing about it other than it is has to do with kids and stars Jude Law and yeah, um, it's a coming of age kind of style story. Uh, excited, having no idea what to expect at all. But the fact that it doesn't involve any like character that I would have expectations for. Right, or at least that we know of at this point. Exactly. I'm there. I'm there's bound to be a an Easter egg or a cameo of somebody or some kind. But we shall see. We shall see. Got a pretty interesting report on the DC side of things this week. Uh, the report has to deal. Um, the report does deal. With the casting for Superman Legacy, you know, and we talked about, I think it was last week, how uh, obviously casting a new Superman is a huge deal yeah. um, in Hollywood and in nerddom. No matter how big a fan of Henry Cavill you are, <laughs> you are, um, you are still going to be interested to see who is playing Superman moving forward. And I feel like Superman is a character that's been around for so long. Like my mom is going to care about who's playing Superman. You know what I mean? Right. And she doesn't go see hardly any of these movies, but she will go see a new Superman movie easily. Um, so Hollywood reporter is uh, saying that there is a short list for actors and actresses. Sorry, I'll just say actors. I want to be a, uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Everyone's just an actor. Don't have to separate via gender. Um, Shortlist for uh, actors um, being cast in Superman Legacy. The parent, according to this report, saying the front runner for the role of Clark Kent or Superman. Whoa, this guy whoa, named... whoa. <laughs> Sorry. Hold spoiler. on. Spoiler. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Clark, Clark Kent is Superman? Really? <laughs> I know it's hard to tell with those glasses. Hey, Sorry, I, I'm really wearing glasses now. Should I, should I take them off? Do you think you're talking to a stranger? <laughs> yeah. If you take them should off, it'll remove? be a completely different person. I will have no idea who's on the other end yeah. of this one. <laughs> uh, David Corinswet, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Corinswet? I'm, normally, I'm normally the name help. I got nothing on this one. You got nothing on this one. Apparently the front runner for Clark Kent, uh, that he has moved past the uh, reading phase and is moving into the screen test phase of auditioning. Um, Hollywood Reporter saying that he may be up against one or two other front runners right now, but the only name that we know is David Cornsweat. David Cornsweat, I only know because I saw him in the movie Pearl, which is a movie I mentioned recently when we were talking about Mia Goth being cast in Blade, because uh, Mia Goth plays a role in these two just excellent horror films, X and Pearl. Uh, David Corinswet is in Pearl and uh, he is a very attractive man. Certainly could be Superman, I think. And um, 
I don't remember his performance necessarily in Pearl. I only saw it once, and I was just so blown away by Mia Goth, it was hard to notice anyone else in the movie being good. Um, but I certainly wasn't like, who's this Joker? You know, like, he, right. he was great he in held, that held movie. Up, I think. Yeah, I remember yeah. him being really good and a good fit for that role. Um, I certainly wasn't looking at him thinking, could this guy be Superman? But I did read a number of people on Twitter say that when they saw at least one person, uh, someone that works in the industry, saying that when they saw Pearl, they thought this guy is the hottest guy ever. He should be Superman was their first thought. So, um, I mean, the second the, the second image that shows up when you Google his name literally could be uh, a, like a still out of Smallville. Oh, yeah. Like he's got the sweeping hair and it's very uh, young Clark Kentish. Right. Yeah. Good looking guy. Yeah. Um, so I can certainly see I can certainly see him in the role based on uh, like appearance and, you know, just seeing his performance in Pearl. And I think it would go along with Steve, what you and I were talking about, where he's not a complete unknown, but he's a he's been in small enough stuff to avoid the big you know, reaction that somebody like Ben Affleck gets when he's announced as Batman or Heath Ledger got when he was announced as Joker, things like that. Yep. Um, another actor that has been said to be being rumored for Clark Kent, although I'm like, so Hollywood reporter is saying that this guy, or sorry, Deadline was saying that this actor, I'll just say his name, Nicholas Holt, who you may know from being a beast in X-Men first class and the sequels to that movie. Uh, he's also in the great, the show on phenomenal in the great. (laughs) What's that? He's phenomenal in the great. He's phenomenal. Yeah. He's a, he's a wonderful actor. Yeah. He was Um, uh, Tolkien in the, um, autobiographical, uh, yes. Film too. Yep. Yeah. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's in Mad Max Fury road. He's like that guy that keeps, uh, I don't remember his name, uh, but he, I almost yeah. said the guy that keeps spraying himself in the face with Chrome, but I feel like a lot of people in that movie do that. <laughs> that narrows it down a ton, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, so Deadline oh, is saying that Nicholas, now. say that again, what? And he's in Renfield. He's the titular character That's in Renfield. Right. Yes. He is plays Renfield. Which I really want to see, but I Renfield. probably won't see in the movies. Yeah, I've heard mixed things about it. Uh, I've heard that like when it's good, it's amazing and it's exactly what you want but there's like other stuff that kind of hold it down a little bit but that Nicolas Cage is incredible as Dracula which is to be expected yeah um so yeah so Deadline is saying that Nicholas Holt is up for the role of Clark Kent Hollywood Reporter is saying that Nicholas Holt is up for the role of Lex Luthor which I think he'd be a way better fit Mm -hmm. for Lex Luthor than for Superman again I think this guy is a great actor and also he was he was the runner-up for batman in the matt reeves batman he lost the role to robert pattinson so i think in that matt reeves version i think he would have been a good bruce wayne but it's hard for me to see anybody else other than robert pattinson now yeah that I've seen that movie a bunch. Which is funny because um, going into it, a lot of people, were, were, myself included, were worried about Pattinson. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, is it going to work? And then that came out and it was like, yes, he nailed yes, it, it works. <laughs> and I, I'm sure, I'm sure Nicholas Holt would have been great in that role. Yeah. And I would have been saying the same thing. I would have been like, I don't know if I can see Robert Pattinson because Nick Holt's so good. 
But it's weird to me that the same guy can be the runner-up for Batman and then also, you know, three years later in talks to play Superman. I don't know. I mean, who knows? This could be a different tone or whatever. And yeah. he's, you know, he's a versatile actor for sure. Yeah, he's shown so, shown a lot of range, but. Yeah. But like we're saying, from the what I've seen him in, I feel like he would, he could be a really menacing Lex Luthor. Um I feel like he's playing. He's good at playing like a wormy guy that you don't like that you, that you yeah. love to hate. He's he's like a good. I love to hate you. It's, I mean, based on his role in The Great, more yeah. than anything else, I think he's good at that. Um, so that would be interesting. And apparently, also, there is a short list uh, for uh, actors being considered for Lois Lane. Of course, can't make a Superman movie without Lois Lane, and um. Those actors' names are Emma Mackey, one of the stars of Sex Education, a Netflix show. Phoebe Denever from Bridgerton. Samara Weaving uh, from a number of horror movies, including Ready or Not and The Babysitter. And Rachel Brosnahan from The Marvelous Ms. Maisel. Um, Brosnahan is said to have given a, quote, outstanding audition for the role. However, there is speculation that I guess she's in her 30s and James Gunn said that he's going younger. So is in somebody in their 30s too old? I want to go on record right now and saying I don't think so. And I think Rachel Brosnahan would be incredible as Lois Lane based on based on her work in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel alone. I think she would be incredible as right. Lois Lane. She so. was just to clarify, because I don't know, she was the titular character in said show, correct? Correct. She Perfect. plays the title role. Then yes, I agree um, with your statement. <laughs> so, did you ever watch House of Cards? No. Okay. Heard she good played things. a Never minor character. <laughs> Heard good things before Kevin Spacey turned out to be literally yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I should get around to one. No, never mind. Um. Yeah, I didn't watch the last season of that show, which he wasn't even in because I just didn't. It was just too gross <laughs> already. Um, she plays a radically different character in um, House of Cards, a minor character. Um, but it took me a while. It took me three seasons of watching Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It was the same actress. Like, like it's how good of an actress she is. I think she can do anything. And I think um, if you're going for a, you know, fast talking, take no bullshit version of Lois Lane, I mean, which you should because that's the character. I think she would be incredible yeah. in that role. Um, who is, I had to look up the other three. I think, um, I have no idea who any of them are. I just realized Samara (laughs) Weaving is Hugo Weaving's uh, niece. Oh, is that true? Yeah. She's great. Um, uh, she was just in scream six. Also, she had a small role in that, which was cool. Um, she's an Australian actress. She's really good. Um, ready or not is a really fun horror comedy almost um definitely worth uh watching nice uh, if you're into that kind of thing um oh, she was also in the first season of ash versus the evil dead samara weaving was apparently who was she in that i watched that show these things i don't, remember I don't that know show. let's see there's this check it out. there's this list of credits i should probably uh use that to give you your answer uh, she was Heather, okay. a recurring role as Heather in Ash vs. Wow, Evil Dead. No idea. I'll have to rewatch. 
No idea. Yeah. I got I, I literally am looking through this list and have not seen a single thing she's been in. So uh, hmm. that would be why I have no idea who they are. Right. Right. Although Bill and Ted face the music as well, which I did not oh, see. Oh, nice. I didn't see that either. I would still like to. Yeah. But I just haven't. That was a, a very, you know, uh, seminal childhood movie. Well, both of them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, someone else I saw, this was not part of the of, of the report, but um, somebody on Twitter suggested uh, the actress Jessica Henwick for Lois Lane. Um, she was Colleen Wing in Iron Fist. Okay. And she's, yeah, um, she was Bugs in The Matrix Resurrection. She was Peg in Glass Onion, the assistant in um, Glass Onion, Knives Out Mystery. Uh, I think she would be excellent. One of the few also, things that uh, didn't suck in Iron Fist. Yeah, the yeah, the only thing <laughs> I think I think she was great. not the only thing. Um uh I think she'd be great, but you know, yeah. she's not on the short list necessarily, but Oh, Game she was Scott, also Nymeria Sand in uh Game of Thrones. Yeah, and she was a X-Wing pilot in two of the three sequels, I believe. She was in oh, Force Awakens and Last Jedi. I think she dies in Last Jedi. Spoiler alert. Um Steve, this is a very random question. But I just I, I mentioned she played an X-wing pilot that died, and it made me think of a question that sometimes I listen to the podcast Star Wars Minute. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a big Star Wars fan out there, these are two guys that go through every Star Wars movie one minute at a time, <laughs> and they talk about what's going on in that minute. Obviously, the conversation goes on to other Star Wars related things. They are currently in their season on the Rise of Skywalker, so you have plenty of episodes to go dive into if you want to check out Star Wars Minute. This question comes up. They ask their guests this every once in a while, and I'm going to ask Steve, if you were to be cast in a Star Wars movie, but not as a lead role, you're like a cameo or you know a couple lines max, what do you want to be? Would you be like a Jedi? Would you be an Imperial officer? Would you be an alien so no one can see your face? Would you be a rebel? Like, What would you want to be in a background character or like a small role in a Star Wars movie. I think what triggered you to think about that is spot on. Like, yes, that's what I want to <laughs> definitely starfighter pilot of some sort. I want to be a rebel pilot and I want to blow up. I think that'd be great. Yeah. I want one of those ah! yep. scenes be excellent. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I would also not blow up if I had the opportunity to be that, to be the wedge of like a trilogy and just keep appearing <laughs> yeah. in all of them. Like I would do that too. That'd be great. I think it's but if I'm going out, I'm going out in a ball of life. fire. <laughs> exactly. If I'm going out, I'm going out being shot by a TIE fighter or, you know, flying into a wall or something. That's what I want. Absolutely. Anyway, um, I guess that's the, Steve, do you have any thoughts on the Superman casting? Do you like any of these people? Do you not like any of these people? No, I mean, I, it, they, they all seem like they'll be fine choices, uh, whoever they end up with. I mean, yeah. Corn Sweat looks the part. Holt, like you For said, sure. like the Luther thing would be perfect if that works out. But I definitely don't see him as, you know, the titular character. I know. I, I would have a hard time seeing Nicholas Holt as Superman. I could see him as so many villains, though. <laughs> like, I could see him as Brainiac. I could see him as Luther. Yeah. You know, the real question, um, though, is who's Jimmy Olsen? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And if if uh, 
I mean, I guess normally Jimmy Olsen is portrayed as being Kent, and if we're getting like how young, like I, you know, when James Gunn said part of the reason that they weren't going Henry Cavill was that they were going, <laughs> but like how young is he talking about? Because yeah. he's he's also said that we're not getting an origin story, and it's not going to be like teenage Clark Kent in Smallville. He's already going to be working at the Daily Planet, so he's like minimally in his mid to late twenties, I think. Yeah, at like minimum. So he could easily be thirty, or being played by someone that's thirty. So, I don't know if, if we're getting. I've got my my point was if we're getting a young Clark Kent, and Jimmy Olsen is normally portrayed as being slightly younger than Clark Kent. How young can you go <laughs> with Clark Kent right. before you're like, yeah, Jimmy's fifteen. You know, you don't want that. No, but if like I mean, like you said, if they go mid to late twenties and Jimmy's the you know the greenhorn straight out of Newhouse, then we should yeah. be uh yeah that I feel like that might be enough of a gap. Yeah, it could work. It could work. Um, James Gunn's also apparently been hinting or teasing or joking about putting Crypto the Super Dog in the movie, which would be cool. Um, cause I'm sure he would do it. He would do it in a way that makes sense. This guy can put raccoons and trees and talking sharks True. in movies and have us buy it. So I don't think anyone would have trouble with the super dog. Um, no. And after having watched finally the, uh, league of super pets, I'm all yeah. in on crypto now. Yeah. There's <laughs> even crypto. Um, uh, I think the, I think, the last season of Titans just ended on HBO. I haven't watched it yet. I started watching it and I haven't finished it, so I got to finish it. Um, but Crypto is a character in Titans, and as up and down as that show can be, there is a great fight scene with Superboy and Crypto in I want to say season two. That is awesome. Like you just like I said before, like that show is oh, yeah. to me is yeah, just I know where you're talking. Yeah, it's just like a show that seems to work bend over backwards to not fully embrace the characters and not really have them use their powers or, you know, so they can save the budget or whatever. But this one scene, it's like Superboy and Crypto taking out an army uh, or something. And you get to see like Crypto uses heat vision and like catches a grenade and throws it back at somebody with his mouth. It's just like, it's amazing. And it works. Like I, I completely bought watching a dog shoot lasers out of its eyes, even though it, it looked crazy, but it also looked awesome. I was like, this is great. This is exactly what it should be. Um, so I don't know. If Titans can do it and pull it off, James Gunn can certainly do it. Um, and speaking of things that um, I would say have to be, quote unquote, pulled off as opposed to easily executed. <laughs> um, something we've mentioned a couple times on this show, but not really talked about too in depth. Beetlejuice 2 is a thing that is happening. Uh, it was rumored for a while, and we started hearing some casting. It is certainly um, moving forward. Beetlejuice 2 added to its cast Willem Dafoe, noted uh, wonderful actor, something of a scientist himself. Willem Dafoe is uh, <laughs> joining Bra- the cast. Bravo, sir. <laughs> Thanks. Just came into my head. Um uh, he is joining other Beetlejuice newcomers, Jenna Ortega, who is set to star as the daughter of uh, Lydia Dietz, a Winona Ryder's character from the first movie. Jenna Ortega, Monica Bellucci, and Justin Thoreau have all uh, joined the cast of Beetlejuice 2. Alongside returning cast members, Michael Keaton, 
obviously. And I didn't realize until I read this until I read this article, but Catherine O'Hara also oh. returning as her uh, role from the first Beetlejuice. Mm. Who I love Catherine O'Hara. I'll watch anything that she does. So I'm glad that she's coming back. And of course, um, this will be also directed by Tim Burton, who directed the first one as well. Uh, Willem Dafoe is reportedly playing some kind of dead law enforcement officer or like a law enforcement officer in the afterlife that you know, the world of the afterlife that we yeah. see in the first movie. Um, this movie is set to come out uh, September 6th, 2024, so a little over two years. Uh, little, oh, sorry, a little over a year, I guess I should say, out from Beetlejuice 2. Um, so Michael Keaton's just reliving the 80s at this point, right? Hey, if Harrison Ford can go on a farewell tour of his famous, <laughs> famous characters, then so can Michael Keaton. Why not? Absolutely. Why not? When are we getting a Multiplicity 2, right? When are we getting Mr. Mom 2? I would love um, Multiplicity 2. <laughs> That movie was irrationally better than it should have been. Yeah. I remember thinking that movie was really funny. I feel like watching it now, I'd probably think it was problematic. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure it would not yeah. hold up at all. But I'm sure it would not hold up. The I'm whole... sure the effects wouldn't hold up, probably. Oh, no. And, yeah. like, yeah. The whole the whole Steve character. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not great. <laughs> not great. Some great one-liners. Not great overall. <laughs> not great overall. Um... But anyway, I I think the first Beetlejuice movie is great. I haven't seen it in a long time. I should sit down and watch it again. The last time, I, it's been years since I saw it. I remember seeing it as a kid and thinking, this movie's awesome. And I saw it as an adult, and I was like, this movie's awesome, but it's also just weird as hell. Like, I can't believe this movie exists. It's so strange. It's so bonkers. How did a studio greenlight this movie? <laughs> like... It's just so crazy, and it's just must have been the fact that Tim Burton was hot off of Batman, that they were like, you can do whatever you want. He's like, right. I want to make a weird-ass movie about dead people hiring a different dead guy to scare people out of their house, and Michael Keaton's coming with me again. And it's just such a strange movie. Everything about it is weird. It's like, when I think of like a Tim Burton aesthetic, I think of Beetlejuice and Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Or yeah. but throw on a side of Edward Scissorhands in there too. Oh sure, Scissorhands. Yeah, of course. I mean that. Look at that stretch. I just pulled up uh, the the filmography yeah. for Burton. Pee yeah, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yes. I mean that's Starting a way to kick it off a right plus. there. <laughs> a plus. Beetlejuice, and this is subsequent years. Oh, Beetlejuice, Batman, Scissorhands. Beetlejuice came out before Batman. Eighty-eight, eighty-nine, ninety. Oh my God. Wow, I thought Beetlejuice came after Batman. No, so it was the opposite. Beetlejuice Wild. worked for some reason, and then Burton was probably like, I'm doing a Batman movie, and I'm bringing Keaton with me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That blows my mind. So how did he get... So how did Beetlejuice get made? I guess Pee-wee's Big Adventure was a hit, so that was probably it. Yeah. It's not, um, like, it's not like that was like a underground thing. Like That was a major hit so even even after that you've got batman <laughs> yeah, returns go, go from there batman returns ed wood mars attacks sleepy yep. hollow planet of the apes yeah. big fish charlie and the chocolate factory and corpse bride sweeney todd alice in wonderland dark shadows frank and here's where it starts dipping big eyes miss peregrine's home for peculiar children 
and then Dumbo and now Beetlejuice Dumbo. too. Yeah. So definitely some misses in there. Yeah. I think like big, big fish was like that, his, was like Oscar nominated, like huge movie. And he, like, he got an Oscar, not like that big eyes movie. I think got some so big fish well. did not get nominated for an Academy award. It didn't. His only Academy Award noms were Corpse Bride and Frankenweenie for animated feature. Big Fish, it got something. It must have gotten nominated for something. Maybe he didn't get nominated. Uh, BAFTA Awards for Best Direction and Best Film. Wow, it didn't get Best Picture nomination? Oh, my God. No. Insane. That's crazy to me. I really thought that it did. Oh, yeah, and for some reason, Nightmare Before Christmas wasn't on that list. Oh, because he didn't direct it. Everyone thinks oh, he did. yeah, that's just his directed. Gotcha. He produced it, but he also put his name above the title, which is kind of a dick move. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, he wrote story and produced it, did not direct. Okay. Yeah, yeah that is kind of a dick um, move. Yeah, it is. Because then the guy who did it, whose name I don't remember right off the top of my head because his name's not above the title, uh, that guy went on to do like... Um, James the Giant Peach and like Coraline and like uh you know I think he made it Paranorman too like all these like great stop motion movies are by the same guy but he doesn't get the credit because Harry Selleck Henry Selleck Harry Selleck that's his name yep. Henry Selleck yeah yeah I I um, didn't realize too that uh, Burton produced Cabin Boy Batman Forever I for some reason did not yeah. remember he was the producer on that he was going to direct it until he couldn't. And then we got Schumacher. Yeah, we did. <laughs> that was a thing. Um, I think Tim Burton is somebody who blew up early on and kind of lost his touch a little bit um, about halfway through that filmography that you read. There's still some ups and downs. Like, I think Sweeney Todd is pretty good. I think it's a little long and it's mm-hmm. certainly got his like vision and it's like well done, but still not the best. Like, um, like no one like, I feel like Dumbo got pretty bad reviews. I, I feel like m- more often than not, when I see a Tim Burton movie of late, really since like Sleepy Hollow, yeah. to be honest with you, it, it feels like he's trying too hard to be like late eighties, early nineties, Tim Burton. Right. And he's like trying to, trying to do it too much. So. I am a little skeptical of Beetlejuice too. I guess this is I'm going out of the way to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And because the weirdness and the just insanity of that first movie just seems like it was kind of like a lightning in a bottle situation. Like, how do you recreate that? And if you're not trying to recreate that, what are you trying to recreate that is going to uh, work as well as that or is going to forgive the make me forgive the fact that it doesn't feel like the first movie. Right. I don't know. I feel like this is this is a big swing uh, for everybody, for Tim Burton and studios and everybody involved. <laughs> like, it'll, it'll make money. People go to see it, for sure. It'll make money. But I don't know that it's going to be good. Right. I'm worried. I'm worried. Um, other tidbits from the Tim Burton catalog that I did not have any clue about. Uh, was an in-between artist on Lord of the Rings, the 1978 animated version. Wow, really? Yep. Uh, and then awesome. what really blew my mind, he was an animator on The Fox and the Hound, Whoa. Tron, and The Black Cauldron. 
Oh, I feel like I remember hearing that he worked for Di- he was an animator at Disney for a while, but I never. Was, yeah, the Black Cauldron. I feel like is one of those forgotten Disney animated yeah. movies that I, I should, was I've never seen it. I should watch it as a kid. It was great. You were obsessed with it. Yeah. Oh wow. That actually both both Fox and the Hound and the Black Cauldron were two that I watched repeatedly. Yeah. Fox and the Hound. I saw a bunch. That's a great movie. Definitively had the uh, uh, the VHS of both of those back in the day. Oh wow. I feel like those are probably worth money. Those clam, big clamshell ones. Yep. Oh yeah. So, especially I've, something like the Black Cauldron that like probably didn't yeah, sell very they, many. Yeah, there's probably not too many probably. people that have. I, I I wonder. I still have. Uh, my parents kept my the the Disney movies they bought. So I'm oh. wondering if that is in the uh, in the stash now. Yeah. Literally nobody makes a VCR anymore, so there's no way to right. play them. <laughs> but you know. I'm sure there's a collector out there that has a VCR and is looking for, you know, <laughs> he's got like all the other Disney right, VHS. Right, he's waiting for 1985's The Black Cauldron. <laughs> there's one empty spot on that shelf marked Black Cauldron. Oh, it did come out on DVD as well. Oh, wow, of course. Hmm. And I'm sure it's available on Disney Plus as well. Probably. Um, Tim Burton, almost famously, uh, famous, sorry, let me start that sentence again. Tim Burton famously almost made a Superman movie starring Nicolas Cage. And if you want to know more about that, um, a guy that has since uh, passed away, but was uh, pretty influential on my uh, desire to be a comic book writer, a guy named John Schnepp made a movie called The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened? And it's him interviewing writers and producers and um, people that were involved, including like people like Kevin Smith. Who were involved in the making or the pre-production of that movie that never got off the ground and he actually gets to talk to tim burton about it so tim burton is actually in that film oh it's very cool and um you know for those of you out there who have just you know lived all your lives thinking oh i heard about i heard that this almost happened and i've seen the test footage or i've seen the pictures of nicholas cage and it looks terrible and i'm glad they didn't make that movie you should watch this documentary because it kind of makes me think that movie would have been, would have been awesome. It looked eh, pretty awesome. Like he's like the famous picture of Nicolas Cage at the um, the test screening and he's got like super long hair and he's wearing the Superman suit. Like everyone is all nerds have seen that and they're like, he looks yep. terrible. It's like, yo, that's not the hair. He was filming Con Air at the same time. Like that's the hair that he had for another movie. Like he wasn't going to have that hair as Clark Kent. It's just what he had when he tried the costume on that day. And that's the photo that got leaked or whatever. So, um, it would have been great, though. I think, I honestly, after seeing The Death of Superman Liz, what happened, I think. So, seek that movie out if you want to know more about that. Um, and as for Beetlejuice 2, I guess we'll just see what it looks like when we start seeing trailers a year from now. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it a lot before then. A lot before then. Um, Got a cool piece of comic book news. And normally when we talk comic book news, we talk about it uh, industry-wise. Like, this new creative team is on this book, or this company is doing this, or whatever. But this is an announcement of an in-universe thing that I just thought was pretty cool. Tom King, noted comic book writer. Noted one of the things that often come up when we talk about comic books. Yeah, noted most famous writer currently working in comic books, Tom King, um, is taking over Wonder Woman 
mainline one run book. I think we talked about that when they announced that a few months ago. Um, this fall, I think he's taking it over. And uh, but coming up, not this week, but next month, he will be introducing Wonder Woman's biological daughter, who goes by the name of Trinity. Uh, she, he's going to debut in a story in Wonder Woman 800. Um, which is coming out soon and it's like an anthology book a lot of times when you hit a landmark like that you get a bunch of creators on one book to tell like short stories within one one book so Wonder Woman 800 is going to be doing that and he, so uh, she'll be introduced in Wonder Woman 800 and be a big part of his run on the book when he takes it over with artist Daniel Sampier this September so um here comes Wonder Woman's biological daughter. And I think this is cool because, you know, Batman's got the Bat family. Superman's got a super family. And they both have sons, whether they're adopted or biological. Both of those characters have their own offspring. Wonder Woman is a character that I I don't think they've ever really capitalized on the number. Like, there's three Wonder Girls. Like, Wonder Woman has a Wonder family. You know what I mean? There's other characters in the universe they could do the same thing with, um, like they've done with, like, even The Flash or Batman or Superman. Um, but they never have. And I remember reading Gail Simone saying when she was on Wonder Woman, um, she wanted to do more with, like, the Wonder Girl characters, and DC didn't want her to. And um, DC was under different... Right. leadership at that time so things clearly or might might have changed clearly maybe they have um but like that was hard you know there's one issue uh of gail simone's run where she teams up with uh wonder girl donna troy and she said she had to fight to get donna troy to be included in the issue which is crazy because like why not she's wonder girl she was wonder girl for like a long time she's in the titans as wonder girl like right why should it be difficult um and so uh, I think it's great that they're giving her like a biological child. And then I, I think like I think he said I think Tom King said that the story in Wonder Woman 800 is going to be taking place in the future. And then his run will be like the lead up to either her birth or the lead up to her being, you know, growing up or something like that. We'll have more um, to do with her development as a human being. So I'm excited about this, but it also kind of makes me feel like how many Wonder Girls do we need? And I know that's hypocritical of me when I just love every, you know, all 300 members of the Bat family. Right. <laughs> but also like, you know, we got um, three Wonder Girls. There's Donna Troy, um, Cassie, I can't remember her last name, and Yara Floor, and now we're getting Trinity. So that would be... And I know I... I I don't know if Trinity is her actual name or Trinity is her like superhero name, but anyway, that's be like four Wonder Girls. I don't know. I mean, it makes sense that they're all women. I love that. Um, but I I hope that they can give Wonder Woman like more legacy characters and utilize them in a way that kind of like builds out her uh, world. Yeah, a little bit more than no. they ever have. Did you see the quote from King about uh, when they came up with the idea? Yes, I did. That they were taught it was going to be like a Robin and Boy are babysitting. Um, yeah, uh, Mister Mister Miracles. Yeah, John Cat and Damian Wayne babysitting. Yeah, and then they were yeah, and, but he was like, but the dynamic should be that the two boys are looking after a young girl. That would be a better 
dynamic and then he couldn't stop thinking about it until it should be like it should be wonder woman's daughter is what he yeah. said and then he when he once he had that idea you couldn't stop thinking about it until now he's getting the chance to do it when he is going to be the writer on wonder woman moving forward and i'm i think i'm definitely i'm going to at least pick up a f- the first few issues of that book absolutely and then probably wait for the trade for the whole thing but you know and he he, and he said in talking about it um you know if you ask you know if, if you ask me i want to start reading batman what should i read or i want to get into superman what should i read i know exactly what books to tell you but if you say i want to get into wonder woman what do i read i'm like well you could start here you could try to find gail simone's run but like like there's no definitive yeah it's harder to name a definitive run on wonder woman or definitive story you know what i mean like you could name a hundred i could name 50 for batman probably right now or right. superman you know like year one dark knight returns hush you know wh- there's so many but there's not like a really definitive story for wonder woman and tom king said that's what we're trying we're trying to give her one of those like a, a an all-time story which is setting he's setting the bar pretty high for himself i guess um you know because she's a character that's been written constantly for over 80 years yeah got some shoes to fill there but he's also tom king so this week in your local comic book store you're looking at avengers number one bat girls number 18 batman superman world's finest number 15 batman the brave and the bold number one speaking of tom king tom king and mitch jared's have a story in batman brave and the bold number one definitely be picking that up Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty, number 12. Catwoman, 55. Cyborg, number one. That's another Donna DC book coming out this week. Dark Spaces, Good Deeds, number one. Elvira in Monsterland, number one. Fantastic Four, number seven. Flash, number 799. Guardians of the Galaxy, number two. Hulk, Annual, number one. Ice Cream Man, number 35. Last Barbarians, number four. Mighty Barbarians, number two. I have no idea if those titles are related, but... I put on one barbarian. Yeah, a whole lot of them. Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number six. Mosley, number four. No one, number three. Planet of the Apes, number two. Apes, not monkeys. Predator, number three. Red Goblin, number four. She-Hulk, number 13. Sonic the Hedgehog, number 60. Spider-Man, number seven. Star Trek, number eight. Star Wars, Bounty Hunters, number 34. Superboy, The Man of Tomorrow, number two. Superman, number four. Titans, number one. Three Donna DC books coming out this week. Titans is uh, the new book from Tom Taylor. Titans taking over for the disbanded Justice League of America. Tomorrow Girl, number one. Venom, number 19. Wonder Woman, number 799. X-Force, number 40. X-Men, number 22. Apparently, apparently DC only deals in writers named Tom. Uh, there is a running gag of people mistaking Tom Taylor for Tom King and Tom King, Tom Taylor. When you first got me into DC, I was one of those people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, this Tom guy's great. Oh, Jesus. Which one? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I followed them both on Twitter and for a while, um, Tom King's profile picture was a picture of him wearing like a certain hat, like a sports team or something. I think it might still be. And it might still be. And then for a while, as a joke, Tom Taylor took a picture of himself wearing a very similar hat and made it his profile picture to make it even more. That's great. And anytime like an article says like, you know, Tom Taylor's run on Mr. Miracle or something or 
Tom King writing Nightwing or, or what tag each other or share each other. A whole it's a whole thing that people forget about. Yeah. Uh Just Tom King Tom name. King's rocking the uh the DC hat. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they're both exclusive to DC, I believe. Whereas Tom Taylor's rocking a skelly cap, so Australian that he is. From Melbourne. Um, Steve. Yeah, yeah today. Melbourne. Um, reading anything? Looking forward to reading anything? Uh, no, I think we talked about uh, grabbing the grabbing the white whale from Funky Town last week. Yep. Star so Wars, that yeah. Was, that was a good hit. Um, are you going to read it, or are you just going to keep it in the bag? Probably just keep it in the bag. Yeah. It would be I cool can, to read, though. It would be. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. Um, No, beyond that, just caught up with the High Republic and something else over there that I can't remember what I read. (laughs) Nice. It was early in the week, so, you know, there's at least multiple days in between then and now. Nice. Yeah. Um, Always hard to remember. I know I'm caught up on Poison Ivy and I'm caught up on Batman. I still got to catch up on Something is Killing the Children and then dive into you know, copious amounts of graphic novels that I have bought and not read. Mm-hmm. But See those back there? That's you know. Them. Yeah, I sure do. I got a similar stack. Actually, you know what? I I put mine all in the shelf, but the ones that I haven't read yet, I pull out so they're like sticking out from the mm. rest of them. So I know like, okay, I got to read that. I got to read that. Right now, I think Until I get just... too overwhelmed be when, until there's more sticking out then are pushed back and then i have to push them all back so i can not drive myself crazy over there i think it's just rorschach and strange adventures oh nice yeah and i have the super speaking of tom king yeah um supergirl woman of tomorrow over there that i had started and did the did the standard start it and then start something else and then start something else and Mm -hmm. yeah i'll get back there someday i uh i did just finish volume five of alamore swamp thing nice so I got this part of me wants to just jump right into number six and finally finish that um, his run on that. Um, but part of me wants to jump into something else. Yeah. Save it for a little bit. So I'll have to see. Could be one woman of tomorrow. Could be um, from hell. I got, I think for Christmas, but I haven't read yet. Nice. You know, lots to choose from or another volume of Sandman. So much out there. Never stopping. Steve. We have one one shot for uh, the evening. Would you like to uh, do the honors? Sure. Uh, we've all talked about how Marvel movies have been underperforming since COVID. Um, well, since a while now and don't quite have the same panache, but apparently Guardians 3 has some of that panache as it was the uh, smallest drop for a second week of a Marvel movie since the COVID era. Uh, wow at a drop of only minus 49%, which is actually quite good. Um, quite good. So it is up to 212 million uh, domestic box. I'm not sure what the global is, but... Yeah, I don't know either, but both um, uh, last other other two big comic book movies that came out recently, Ant-Man, Quantumania, Shazam, Fear of the Gods, both had bigger drop-offs, like 60 or 70%, I think, both those movies. Um so uh, less than 50, even if it's, you know, 49 is is pretty good because that means yeah. that, you know, every every big Marvel fan went to see that weekend one 
casual fans, some casual fans went to see it, some casual fans went this weekend, but that's still, they're still going. And, you know, it, it has everything to do with the fact that it's great. <laughs> I think, right, that it's are, just a good movie. You know, yeah, people hear Ant-Man is meh or Shazam is meh, and then they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, but for perspective. Like, oh, this movie's great. Yeah, for perspective, Quantumania dropped off 70%. Right, yeah, so, wow. Um, yeah, uh, Guardians 3 is currently 528 million global. 213 domestic, great. so. Wow. Yeah, this is going to have some legs, I think. Yeah, yeah. Good. Good for it. And, you know, it's good. It's coming out early. Like there's like I've said a few times, there's a bunch of stuff coming out this summer that I want to see. And some of it is, you know, I think like Indiana Jones comes out like a week after the flash or like two weeks after the flash. Like that's a crowded month right there. Yeah. You know, so. Well, and follow that up with what else? What else is right there? We literally just went through this at the beginning of the pod or prior to. Uh, yeah. There's like Blue Beetles in August. Like there's Mission Impossible is in yep. July. Like there's Ninja a lot of Turtles. A lot happening. There's yeah. a yeah. There's a lot going on this summer. Um. Oh, speaking of and, things that went on this summer. Yeah. Here, let's let's give me give me a wild stab at what you think the current box office global for Super Mario Brothers is. Oh, jeez. Eight hundred million. Bum, 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 bum. Hundred and or one point two one billion. Oh, it did hit a billion. I hadn't yeah. heard that it hit a. It's a billion and a quarter wow. now. Man, and it was still number two this week behind Guardians. Behind Guardians, and you know what? Both of those movies, like it's mid-May right now. Another two weekends till Memorial Day weekend. People are going to be going to the both those movies. They're going to pick up. They're going to pick up a bunch of money that weekend too. Oh yeah. So very smart for Guardians to come out now. You know, a a little bit ahead of the what of live action hero movies we're about to get. Again, I'm not complaining. Part of me wants to go see Mario Brothers. So. Yeah, yeah, Mario Brothers. It's wild. I mean, it's not wild because it's the one of the most popular um, intellectual properties of all time and finally gets a movie in a, a movie that looks like the character because um, yeah. it's animated and not live act. So and it's kid friendly. So, you know, instead of, you know, instead of just me going to see it and buying one ticket, I bought three, one for my wife and one for my kid, it, uh, you know, so like families are going to see this movie, not just you know, couples or not just nerds yeah. by themselves. So I know my, yeah. No, it's the, what was it? I missed it, but my wife, my son, his friend and his parents all went. Yeah. Yeah. It's just That's like, it. yeah. Steve, it's like you and I have been saying for like a long time. If they made, and like, I just read that like Across the Spider-Verse is predicted to have like a huge to make like hundreds of millions of dollars opening weekend, like possibly six or eight hundred million dollars in the opening weekend. And like Warner Brothers, Marvel, if you make more animated superhero movies, kids are going to go see them. They're just going to make a PG Superman movie the way you're making Spider-Man Spider-Verse movies. Kids are going to go see that a million times. You'll make so much money. Yeah. So, 
Very much we've so. We've been saying it since we, almost since we've been doing this podcast. We've been we just still haven't listened to us, except Seth Rogen listened to us because he's making Ninja Turtles that way. It's true. And that movie's going to make a bunch of money, unless it's bad. That's the other key. you got to make it good. Right. You can't just make it a bad superhero movie. Well, I'm not going to lie. It doesn't look bad. So. It does not. It does not. So, um, I think that's all I got. I don't know how long we've been talking. Good length of an episode. We fill some time. Uh, yeah, we're at hour 16, so. Wow. Way more than I thought. Okay, perfect. Not bad for a late week. I thought this was going to be like a 45 minute or <laughs> but added some great ghostwriter content in the beginning and, you know, padded it right out. There you go. Perfect. But I'm all tapped out. That's all I got for the night for sure. Well, if that's all we've got, then you should probably like and subscribe and, you know, uh, leave us a review on Apple, I- Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts Apple iTunes, or what's called. <laughs> Apple Podcasts or on YouTube, uh, feel free to get a hold of us on any of the socials, multiversereport at gmail.com, multiversereport.com uh, for all of your multiversing needs. That's right. How we do? Um, oh, okay, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> he had something else to say. But he doesn't. So, until next time, thanks for watching, and thanks for listening, and we will see you in the multiverse.